Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. All right, welcome to the podcast. This is uh, an interesting one. We had a huge discussion beforehand. And we already drank a, a whole glass of beer <laughs> each. Yeah, so this one could get interesting real real early. <laughs> um, so this, if you didn't read the title and just randomly clicked, well, we're going to talk about how trust, how is trust integral to creativity. And uh, we had a big discussion about this before we launched into this podcast. So we're not necessarily experts on this, but we've ultimately come to the agreement that trust and creativity are very necessary. And where, I mean, I'll just speak for myself. My understanding is that creativity actually gets um, thwarted when we don't trust and we don't have faith. And so, um, you know, and and uh, so we're going to talk a bit about how those relate and why they relate and our understanding of them and. Yeah, and spur on some conversation, and who knows? Maybe by the end of it, we'll change our opinion. But right yeah. now, this is where we're at. Yeah, and, and maybe we'll we'll actually learn because yeah, th- that was sort of the interesting thing about this discussion coming into it was that I'm like, yeah, this is not something that you know I feel like I am still very much working on yeah. on doing, and I'm just like, I, and I don't necessarily feel like I'm any kind of an expert on this field whatsoever. Like I'm not going to get up and give a Ted talk on this or something, (laughs) but you know, I, I, I really like that we're going to discuss it and think about it and contemplate it because that's how we, how we start to figure some of these things out and find the truth in them. And, and in some ways, the very fact that we're just recording this is somewhat of an act of trust (laughs) in this, not knowing really like we have sort of an idea here. Um, yeah, not knowing where it's going to go or how it's going to go. Um, you know, one thing that uh, spurred on this conversation for me is, uh, you know, I've I've been someone throughout my life who's really tried to control a lot of things. You know, I've spent a lot of time trying to control my future, control and have this plan about how things will work out. And what I found is, you know, there's a certain value to having goals. There's a certain value to having a plan, but you got to remain flexible. And what I found is that when I'm not flexible, that's not trusting, you know, that's not having faith that there's something that is actually supposed to work out a certain way. And, uh, one of the things that I mentioned to you before we started this podcast was this podcast wouldn't even exist had I had it my way. (laughs) So, you know, I had this plan and agenda for things to go a certain way. I was never planning on doing a podcast. Um, but it kind of came out of the fact that certain things went sideways, uh, in a way that I never expected, which has kind of been a wonderful thing. I wasn't, I wouldn't say it was easy and I wouldn't say a lot of it was fun, but, um, it's led me to this place, which has been this nice surprise. So I think, um, also when I was younger and I wasn't trusting in my creative process, I think my work have it be writing, directing, acting, whatever was a lot more contrived. It was a lot more, uh, there was less, there was, there was less, um, I don't know. I want to call it truth or vulnerability or, or connectedness. 
you know, because I think there was too much agenda there. And I think um, it's good to have a goal. It's good to have a direction. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to deal with the moment and you got to deal with what's happening. And I think that's where trust comes in. So that's my, my thing I think I'm going to focus on as we get into this. Yeah. And my relation to this as well is like, you know, I, I think of this more specifically for acting in terms of my own sort of probably my most intimate direct experience with how trust has impacted my work. Um, that's kind of the beauty of, of acting is there's an immediacy to it. You know, it's like, it's just, it's, it's there, it's alive and in the moment and, and just having those experiences of when I wasn't trying to control what was happening. Uh, and I know it because I know I've spent many, many times in scenes as an actor trying to control what's, what's going on, trying to control, uh, how I'm going to do a certain thing, how a certain line is going to come out, how, uh, a certain emotion is going to occur at a certain moment in time and how often that just doesn't work at all. And the, and then the, the whole scene just kind of feels so just like, ugh, like it just kind of feels a little bit like dying. Yeah. <laughs> but then when the moments in my acting, when I felt truly just alive and invigorated and joyful in it, uh, were in the moments where like, you know, I might have a brief like realization of like, Oh my God, I like, I haven't, I was not even thinking about what I was doing. Hmm. Like not, not for a second. I didn't even, wasn't even a thing in my mind. It was just, I was there and trusting that it was all going to, it was all going to come out. What, whatever was going to come out and whatever came out was going to be perfectly fine. Yeah. And, you know, that's always easily been my best work. Easily. Well, and also I think with acting, if you're in your head, that's kind of a safeguard. That's kind of not trusting, right? Because yeah. if, if you have to think about it, then you're not trusting that what comes out will be good as what it is, or it's fine as what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, um, you know, with my, uh, you know, doing your course in Meisner and doing the brief bit that I had before, um, you know, thinking usually just gets in your way. You know, it's like that with anything though. It's like that even with dating, like, like, you know, um, I love referring to dating because everybody (laughs) can relate. It doesn't matter who you are, but like you see someone across the room you like, and you want to talk to them and you're interested in them. You start thinking about it. You're not going to do it. Sometimes you just got to go, I need to go talk to them. And you just go, you just do it. Don't think about it. Just do it. That's my dad used to say to me, like when I was younger and, um, you know, dating has never really been an issue for me because of that. Because if you think about it too much, and I know this, you know, you, you, you end up overanalyzing, you start, you start getting, you start thinking about yourself. Am I dressed well enough? Do I look good enough? Am, am I good enough? You know, blah, 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 whatever your story is. And yeah, you think too much. And I think it, it relates to acting, it relates to anything. And you know, when you get in the moment and you're just dealing with it, when you're very present with the person, you're ultimately creative because yeah. they say something and you say something and then you respond and they respond it, <laughs> it and happens. And then you walk out of that. And, you know, I've had, uh, I remember, uh, in high school, actually, I'll just give a little story. I remember I was in a, it was about 
15, 16 years old, right? And I saw this group of girls and there's one of them in particular that I liked and we were at the food hall or whatever in the mall. And, um, I'm like, I like that girl. And those guys, my guys are like, Oh yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to go talk to her. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. And I just like, I just got up and I walked over and, um, I might've told the story before, but I walked over and I just said, Hey, how's it going? I, I saw you from across the way. And they were like, oh, and they giggled and whatever. We're like teenagers, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and anyway, I was like, yeah, I, I said something like, I was just honest. That's all, also a really important thing is I, I found with that. If you're going to talk to somebody, don't have any game. Honesty is always the best policy. I thought you were attractive and I thought I'd say hi. It's a winner. It doesn't matter. Even if they know it doesn't matter because it's true. If that's what you really thought. And that's what I thought. And so, you know, whatever. And then I said, uh, and then, you know, I probably jumped the gun a little bit, but I remember being like, um, you know, I remember I'm like 15 years old, but I'm like, um, would you like to go out sometime? And like, probably just jumped way too far ahead. Right. Hadn't really started a conversation yeah. or anything, but just kind of went for the agenda. Right. At that yeah. point, which is kind of a mistake in hindsight, <laughs> but you know, whatever, like, you know, when you're new to it, you don't know what you're doing all the time. So anyway, um, and, and, uh, and she actually said no. And I was like, Oh, okay. But, but I was like, um, I remember walking back and, uh, I felt really good about myself for doing it. And you know, the whole idea of rejection, if I would have thought about, well, I'm probably going to get a no. And there's, there's three girls there and it's just me and you know, whatever. Um, and I walked back and my friends were like, one of my friends was like, you're my hero. He just like was blown away that like I went and did that. Um, and you know, my dad used to actually also say something too. And I think this is a valuable point is that if you think about it, you'll think yourself out of it and then you won't do it a lot of the time. But then the problem is you'll spend the rest of the day or week or whatever thinking about, I should have done it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's worse. So it's better to not think, just do, deal with what you deal with. At least you'll learn. And I mean, uh, you know, I had many successful experiences doing that, but that was just a, a good one where it's like, you know, don't, don't think about the consequences because the moment you start thinking about it, you're going to come up with all sorts of reasons. It's not going to work. And I think it relates a lot to acting because acting is very much about being very present in life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not much different that way. And I mean, you know, nothing should work. You know, if you listen to, <laughs> if you, if you, if people listened to all of the naysayers, the ones, you know, outside of us and the ones that are in our head, I mean, we wouldn't have made any progress in our lives. You no. know, it's just, it's, it's overcoming these things and, and learning to trust sort of these, these ideas and, and these things that are, are coming to us when we're in sort of that space of, of creative mode, mm -hmm. whatever, you know, that is to you. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, and I think so much of this comes down to, to presence as well. Like I, to, to jump in on, on your sort of your dating, you know, and you're, or you're just approaching, you know, somebody that you you're interested in. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I can, like, I know when I try to do that and, and sometimes force that and, and be like, okay, I'm going to walk up, uh, to that girl. And, uh, what am I going to say? I'm going to say, uh, <laughs> I'm going to say, like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll say that. And then you get up there and, you know, like, this didn't specifically happen to me, but like, just for example, you know, you see this 
you see this girl or something and, and she's wearing like a, like a dress that's like kind of got like a zebra print on it. And you go up and you're like, Oh, uh, I'm going to say something kind of funny. Like, uh, like how many, uh, how many, how many zebras, uh, died for that dress, right? Like I'll I'll try and be kind of funny. And you walk up as as you walk up, she turns around and like smashes her drink all over and you go, uh, Hey, how many zebras? (laughs) Like, it's just, yeah, right. If you're stuck on that, like you're you're stuck on it. Right. And, and it's like, well, that's, that's not what's happening right now. (laughs) Is it? And then, she'll probably just look very confused <laughs> at you. But like, that's just to like to, that, that's a very sort of an almost more dramatic, um, reference to something, but like something about not being I'm, present. Yeah. But not being present and, and just sort of trusting yourself and, and trusting whatever is going to happen, whatever's going to be in front of you, mm-hmm. um, as you're, as you're doing it. Right. Right. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with necessarily, you know, having, having an idea of the direct, like having a direction. Right. But ultimately you have to be free to be able to completely throw it away entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if it's not, if it's not authentic, if it's not true to, to what's going on, then you have to, you have to be able to abandon it. I mm-hmm. mean, there's a, there's a freedom to that, but you know, I know in, in, when I was younger and stuff, yeah, like just trying to come up with with strategies and lines and stuff like that to come up. And they, they never worked. Like I will, I will say that they, they never actually really worked. Um, they, they always would fly in my face or the words would come out wrong, you know, cause I had some set plan for something. And then, you know, you, you're walking, especially like if you're in a bar or a club and you're on your way and da, 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 and next thing you know, you just get like elbowed in the face by some like big <laughs> giant dude on your way. And you're like, uh, uh, it's like, uh, and you're now you're like questioning your whole <laughs> sense of masculinity or something, yeah. at least for myself, there's a little insight into Evan's life in his <laughs> early twenties. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's all this whole thing of, of control. And we've talked about how the the idea of being able to control everything as being kind of an illusion, you know, that it's, it's not really possible. And, and that, and, and I think that trust fits in with this to a large degree. I mean, when you, when you trust yourself, when you trust with, when you trust whatever's going to happen, you know, not trying to necessarily predict what's going to happen, but say like, okay, I trust whatever's going to happen, that whatever does happen is going to be the right thing. Yeah. Um, and, and then it opens up your presence. It opens up your ability to be receptive and, and to engage in an authentic way with, um, you know, whether it's your work or with another person, um, trust is, is, a bit of a key. I think, you know, that kind of opens, that opens up a doorway. This is at least the theory that I'm beginning to try and believe in, in, and, and enforce for myself. <laughs> enforce. <laughs> well, I, I mean, cause you have to, you know, like when, when you stumble across these things, because, you know, I think that this is, I think that what we're talking about today is true. I, I believe that it is, but I have my doubts about it. Yeah. Right. Like there's still like my own voice 
as we're having this conversation being like, Oh, maybe, maybe that's not true. Right. Right. Um, but for some reason, you know, I, I, there's something in me that says, this is, this is true. There's a truth in this, you know, maybe not everything that I'm going to say in this podcast today, I will look back on and say like, yeah, I was right on the money. Yeah. But I might be able to look back and say like, no, I was, I like, we were, we were onto like some, some good things here, like definitely some truths in this. Right. Right. So, and I've got to trust that. Yeah. I hear you. I mean, it's, uh, you know, same for me. I mean, it's a, it's a discussion. I I don't, I'm not going to claim to know the answer to this discussion or anything, but I I have my beliefs and, and what I'm working with right now. And I think the best that any of us can do is really try to you, you know, you come across a discovery or an awareness and you try it out and you see how it goes. Um, I was thinking about this thing with, uh, with trust also, like it's, um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, if you're more authentic in your life, um, trusting is going to be easier. If you're being, uh, if you're not being honest in your life already, it's a lot harder to trust because, you know, you're going to be more disconnected from yourself. I think, um, you know, I remember in, uh, I'm going to stay on this dating thing for an, ex- for just for a, a, a little more, just to point out my, my point on this, which is, um, you know, in college, you know, I was really good at dating, like, you know, really good at dating. And, and the guys were always like, how do you do it? What do you do? Like, and they, and they, they all asked me and, um, you know, I remember one guy came to me and he said, he was a really good looking guy, like really good looking guy. But he's like, what do you do? Like, how do you do that? Um, I'd say he's even better looking guy than I am. Right. You know? And, uh, Ooh. yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, whatever. So it's fine. But, um, doesn't matter. The point is, is that, you know, theoretically you'd think better looking guy get more, get more attention, not necessarily so. Um, and he said, well, what's your opener? What do you do? And they, I said, it's, Hey, how you doing? What's going on? Or something like that. And he said, what? that's it. He's like, come on. He didn't believe me. And I'm like, no, cause this is what I've come to. First of all, I usually don't know what I'm going to say. And so I don't have some creative thing to tell them or to say to them or to break the ice. And the best thing I got usually when it comes up is I got to get their attention. So it's usually, Hey, something, you know, I mean, it's (laughs) something. I know it's crazy because again, it's like, it's this whole idea that we have to control a situation, right? Like we have to control to get the desired outcome. And again, you don't know whether this person's going to say yes or no. You don't know whether this person has a boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, and that it's just completely not an option for them or, you know, there's so many variables that you can't count on. Um, but also it's like, there's, especially for men, well, I, you know, not necessarily just for men, for men and women, but there's, you know, there's all the games that are played very often. Um, I felt more so when I was younger and the game started to like trickle away after, but, um, but what, what kind of games do you mean? Oh, just like in terms of, you know, how you're sort of posturing yourself, you're positioning yourself, the things you say, you know, to make yourself look a certain way or, you know, doing or saying the right thing. So they will do this. Right. And it's like, it, it's kind of a strange way of going about something like that because, you know, the beauty behind just saying, Hey, is just like, well, I'm a human being. I, 
know how to be a human being. I've been doing this all my life. <laughs> They're a human being. Yeah. They've been doing this all of their lives. So I'm just going to trust <laughs> that two human beings can just say hi and yeah. have a conversation and see where it goes. Right. And then I can carry a conversation, you know, wherever it might, might lead. That's why, I mean, so, so often like the best sort of, uh, like dating advice or meeting people advice was just like, well, ask questions, like say hello. And like genuinely like ask them questions about themselves, like be interested in this person. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, what? (laughs) No, 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 no. There's gotta be, there's gotta be another way. I've got to have some sort of an approach line. And then, you know, and that will like demand like her, her response to be either this or this. And depending on which one she says, then I will say this. And you've created like this whole graph of like trees and it's like, and now you're in this place. And even if you did have something like that mapped out, like that's, that's crazy. It's crazy. It's totally crazy. It's insane. I mean, and you know, and I think, uh, I think people do this all the time. I, I, you know, like going into a conversation and having like this plan about how it's going to go. I mean, is friggin' crazy. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not going to go that way. Most likely, you know, sometimes, you know, some people can be somewhat predictive and if the content is simple enough, maybe, but if it's emotionally charged, and it's between a right and wrong or something that you're dealing with or whatever, a lot of the time conversations go in a totally different direction and you need to, you know, you need to adapt as they move. And sometimes right off the bat, like I, I know that sometimes, you know, there were moments when I would, when I was single and I was like approaching, it seems like it's going to be like a dating advice, but this just seems to be a really great pertaining, uh, conversation right now to, to our topic. But, uh, where it's like you, you come up with like, all right, this is kind of how I'm going to do my approach. And, you know, I'm going to open up with this and, you know, we'll see where it goes. Right. Like I'd never tried to plan too much, but sometimes I would, I would go for like some kind of an opener. And, but again, you have this idea of how something might go, how something might play out and it's like, okay. And so maybe she'll say this or she'll say this. Okay. All right. Okay. I can get past the first two lines. Right. (laughs) And you walk up and suddenly that person just like you, you kind of get their attention or you go like, Hey, and they turn and they go like, what's your sign (laughs) or something like that. Right. And you're just like, your whole thing is now gone. (laughs) Right. Like I've had that kind of stuff happen where it's just like, you know, you, you meet somebody who's kind of just like, like a spits fire like that, or those people who, are just so incredibly present people. Yeah. You know, and they're just like, they kind of learned this thing. Right. And they just like, they're like, this is on my mind and you're here. So like, and you're a stranger and I'm interested. Bam. And they hit you with it. You know, you just brought up such a good point. And while we're on this dating topic, I want to mention that as well from being, you know, like, I think I'm pretty experienced with the approach, you know, in my mind, a lot of the time, you know, when I get too self focused, sometimes I'm thinking, okay, there, I'm going to go walk up to them, you know, and then sometimes, you know, you, I'll get intimidated or something will happen. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to walk up to them and they're not really going to want to talk to me. Like I created that belief. Like, and you know, it's so funny because sometimes you walk up to someone and they're so happy. You, you talk to them 
and they're so engaging and open and whatever. So, you know, and, and I've also been in this scenario where, and I guess, you know, this is where these kind of things come where I've said hi to someone and they've literally ignored me and they pretended like I wasn't there. And I'm like, this is odd. Like this person just is literally like, they don't even want to acknowledge that I'm even trying to talk to them. And so, you know, so it's like entirely different scenario, right? Where, you know, someone has their guard up, right? They're for whatever reason, they have their guard up and they don't want to have the approach or whatever. And another person is just so grateful and so happy. And so like the moment you start talking to them, they're almost leading the conversation. Yeah. And so, you know, um, you know, it's, it's very much like, and we talked a bit about this last podcast, but it's very much about that listening and responding and being like, okay, like this is what I'm getting. You know, it's so funny when, uh, when like, if someone ignores you, you can look at that and be like, Oh, they, I'm not good enough. They don't want to talk to me. Or you could make something funny out of it. You know, you could be like, you could be like, you know, I don't know. You can make a joke out of it. Just like find a find a moment. It's like, it's like, you know, sometimes I whisper <laughs> or whatever, or it's like, it's like, um, you know, you could, you could tap them or you could do something. But the thing is, is the approach changes. Right. And you see how someone responds and like, you know, I've approached people before where, you know, I've approached them and then immediately after the our initial interaction, I'm like, you know what? I'm not getting a good vibe from this person. I, I was initially physically attracted to them, but I don't want to talk to them anymore because I'm, I'm seeing that they're carrying a lot of anger and I'm not, I'm not necessarily ready to deal with that at this moment. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that I've been angry in my life. I've walked around and felt like very much my shell. And so, you know, you got to make a decision, I think at a certain point, but also remember that that's the thing about trust. I think trust is you recognize that it's not about you because so little of anything that we do is about us. Like when you approach someone, they're not thinking about you and how you feel for the most part. They're usually thinking about themselves. And and to go back to my initial thing I was saying about my friend, he said, well, what, what, what's your opener? What do you say? And I say, Hey, how you doing? Or, Hey, you know, whatever, based on the scenario. And, uh, he thought that was ridiculous. And I said, you know what I found is that usually when you approach someone and they don't see you coming or they don't expect it, usually they're just so surprised that someone's talking to them that they don't even hear the first thing you say anyway. So trying to be creative about it is kind of silly because it, first of all, if I don't even register, Oh wait, someone's talking to me. Like, and now I have to catch up with your joke or whatever you said, right? (laughs) Sorry, say that again. (laughs) Exactly. And now you're there just like, uh, yeah. Um, you can't repeat it. Now you look like an idiot, right? So, um, and you feel prob- like an idiot, which has probably just- happened to me before, <laughs> um, just to be honest, but, um, no, that but sounds yeah. familiar to my own experiences right? as well. I mean, that's the thing, right? Is like when you come in with a plan, you know, you can come in with a plan, you can come in with kind of a, okay, I think this is what's going to happen. I kind of, I'm going to plan to do this, but the, 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 based on the first response you get, you know, you, you, you deal with that. And that's why I think, Hey, or hi, or just something very, very simple and basic is such a great way to start because you know, it, it tends to leave the door open, Yeah. you know? And now, I mean, now we got things like, uh, you know, I, I think what's happening is the, the approach is dying a little in our generation because people got Tinder, they got happen, they got all these dating apps where you gotta, you know, you're swiping and you're connecting with people. And it's like, 
you know, someone and, and women will often complain about if another guy says, Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? He's like, I'm going to snap. Right. It's like in the, in the, in the internet world, um, the rules are not the same as the real world. You know yeah. what I mean? They just don't, they don't work the same. And we're not there's talking a, there's about, there's a barrier. There's we're a not screen. Ta- yeah. We're not talking about in the moment connection. We're talking about you send them a message. They might not see it that moment. They might see it later. And then they have time to think about how they'll respond to it. Yeah. Even if it's a few seconds, but if, if we were in a conversation, just say, Hey, how's it going? Like we just met. Hey, how's it going? It's a really great day. I, I went to work and, uh, you know, I'm enjoying the sun now like that pause that I oh. took, you know what I mean? Would be crazy in real life. Right. Yeah. But in on Tinder or on happen or these dating apps or whatever, you can do that. <laughs> you can think about what you're going to say. Yeah. So it's very like, so I think when you're meeting someone online, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very contrived first interaction in a lot of ways, but then every once in a while you'll interact with someone who's like, it's like you're almost talking to them and it almost feels like you're actually live having a conversation because their responses are like instant and, and your responses are instant if you ever had that. And it's a, it's a different type of connection, Mm -hmm. you know? But, um, anyway, I think what we're trying to talk about is, you know, like trust is more like, you know, I think we're talking more about being in the moment at least right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, they're, I I think that they're just, they're, they're tied together. And obviously it's like, it's kind of led us, kind of led us to this place. Um, we should call this uh, podcast dating. <laughs> yeah. Trust the process or some, some crap. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just like, but you know, it's, it's I, an I think analogy. that all of these, and, and the thing is, is that life analogies are always great mm-hmm. for art because that's, that's what art reflects. Yeah. It's a reflection of life. And, and so what is theoretically under, under this concept. <laughs> yeah if it's true in life, it should be true in art. Right. Um, but yeah, like I, I can even like there, there with what we're saying, it's, it's so interesting because it's like, you know, you can plan all you want, but the, there's the, the human variable makes it obsolete mm-hmm. or makes it potentially completely obsolete. And yeah, it's like, I, and as we were talking about like this whole, this concept of, and again, this is a very, this is sort of a very male perspective on it as far as like, because that's, you know, we're men, um, (laughs) brought up in, uh, in sort of male culture. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, you know, this, this is a thing that exists, you know, this is a thing that both you and I have experienced, you know, in terms of like, Oh, doing the approach, like coming in with like a line or, or, you know, somehow trying to, trying to like, it is somewhat manipulative. Like it's not necessarily like that makes it sound like it's, um, there's some sort of a bad intention. That's not necessarily the way it's usually just because like, oftentimes we're just like so damn nervous, you know? And so like unself-confident that, that we just like want something. And because of a lot of the way that we're sort of like trained and wired as boys growing up, you know, like it's, you know, we try and come up with like a systematic way of doing something. Mm -hmm. Um, not always, but to a large degree. Um, so it's like, you know, we look for these ways of, of, of doing this, but then we are confronted with the fact that people aren't really this way. You can't break down a human being and their responses the same way that you break down, you know, um, 
building a cabinet <laughs> or, you know, building a transmission yeah, or, you know, just that kind of, kind of stuff or, or programming a computer or, you know, whatever. I don't want to fall into male stereotypes here <laughs> specifically. <laughs> well, it's probably going to be hard. That's where it's so, I know it's so tricky. Uh, while, while we're on, <laughs> on this topic, I, I, I just want to throw this out here as a bit of a side note. If you're a dude, in fact, if not, even if you're a dude, if, if you're a woman as well, um, there's a great documentary. It's currently on Netflix. It's called, um, the mask we live in. I saw that recently. Yeah. Um, it was brilliant. It was very emotional for me personally. Yeah. Um, and to other people who I told to watch it, who have watched it, um, they've said, they said it was very emotional for them as well, but just sort of a, a documentary about the culture of, of, um, sort of how, boys are being raised and, and growing up into men and that sort of thing. I think it's a really important movie right now for people to, to watch. Um, yeah, I think so too. You know, the whole thing is like be a man and, uh, and the, and the effects that that has on us, you know, because the thing is, is that, um, as much as, uh, men like to present, you know, this tough exterior, like we don't feel anything. There's all this emotion, there's all this stuff going on. And, um, you know, and, uh, in society, uh, you know, has been conditioned to enforce it, you know, both men and women have been conditioned to enforce it in certain ways. And yet we can appreciate, I think, uh, you know, a certain emotional aptitude, a certain uh, emotional vulnerability, but yeah, I mean, it's such a great title, the mask we live in, because it really is like that. I mean, it's, you know, men in some ways feel forced to be inauthentic because if they showed who they really were, if we showed who we really were, we don't feel like we would be accepted in society by not only by women, but by other men and, and all sorts of things. So, you know, and, and, um, this mask covers a lot of pain. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a good throw I think that's a, a great, um, documentary to reference in context to how you and I are trying to discuss this because, you know, I mean, that's, that's the interesting thing, you know, is, um, with, uh, you know, and, and since before, because I know we're going to move on probably with the topic where I'm sure we will, but with the dating thing is that, um, you know, generally in, in my experience and, uh, from, from, you know, other men discussions I've had, you know, who are proficient at dating and whatnot, and confidence is usually the most valued thing in a man, you know, whereas for a woman, men tend to value, we're conditioned. This isn't necessarily what we value the most, but we're conditioned to want beauty and aesthetics and whatever. That's what we're conditioned to like. Women are tend to be a little bit more conditioned to want confidence. So, you know, sometimes a guy doesn't even have to look that good, but if he's got confidence, it, it will do, it will go far better than a guy who looks really good, but has no confidence. Um, because there's, there's a, you know, it's, it's part of the way we're conditioned. Yeah. So what I was going to bring it back to, and, and there's always exceptions, but what I was going to bring it back to was that it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, we're talking about this whole trust thing. I think what we as actors, as artists, as anybody ultimately want to do is we want to build a sense of confidence in ourselves because once we have confidence you start to realize that you don't need to be creative anymore. You don't need to, like, you don't, like, need to be creative. You will be creative because you have confidence, but you won't feel the need to do it. Because, like, if we had to be creative all the time, if we couldn't just do a simple, simple functional thing, 
then we put too much pressure on ourselves. You know what I mean? So, you know, a confident guy can approach any person in the world or woman can approach any person in the world and just say, hi, have it be authentic and true. And with a certain sense of, I have value. And that person will generally respond generally for the most part, respond positively. If you come up to someone and you have no confidence, all this self doubt, all these problems, you could say the most creative thing in the world or high, and it won't really matter because I think what happens is we pick up on that thing that's going on underneath. And I think like where this conversation is also going to is, yeah, we got to trust, but trust is where confidence comes from. You know, confidence does not come from being creative. It comes from, from trust and then from trust builds confidence and confidence allows for creativity. So that's why I think what we're trying to do here in this conversation is get down to the root of where ultimately confidence and creativity come from. And I think, uh, even underneath the trust actually is another word that we use a lot on this show is authenticity. Yeah. Um, you know, because to have trust, to have that, to have real confidence, you know, you need to be in contact and, and have a relationship and be in touch with your, your authentic self as well, you know, cause otherwise it's still just a smoke screen, yeah, it's arrogance. right? It's, yeah. it's, fi- it's a, it's a, it's a fake, it's a facade confidence mm-hmm. that you're putting on. And, you know, there's, you know, that that's picked up on, like, you know, I've tried to fake confidence before and, and it usually crumbles pretty quickly. Um, unless you've like, get like kind of a quick, <laughs> you know, a quick, good response to something. But then that always just seems to, to melt away. I found, you know, it's like, sometimes I've had to like feign some confidence walking into a situation and then getting there, realizing that, oh, this isn't actually like this, there's nothing so nerve wracking that I thought about doing this and this is all quite fine. And then I can just drop the whole thing. And then I'm just, I am just sort of naturally trusting and confident because I'm, again, I'm not really thinking about myself. I'm not really thinking about, you know, I'm just usually really engaged in what I'm doing or with the conversation that I'm having. Right. Yeah. I would say, um, even below, and I agree with you, authenticity even goes below trust. And I would say even below authenticity is honesty. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, I think at least as a man, um, you know, as I got, became older, I was taught that I, you know, that it wasn't okay to not be good at stuff. It was like not okay to suck. Like if I, if I was bad, I would get made fun of, I would get insulted, you know? So I had to kind of, you know, I had to kind of not, um, I had to kind of protect myself from, you know, and I think many men experience this, right? Um, whereas like when you're a kid, you cannot be good at something, but it's okay. You're learning. But at some point, I think as we become adults, we become less accepting of like that we can make mistakes and that, you know, at least in our culture where, um, you know, we're not allowed to make mistakes and we somehow need to already know. And it's like, you know, I was working with someone right now. I see a screenwriter who's in my course and, um, he's writing on average two pages a day, every single day. When I started with him, it was hard to get him to write a few pages in a week, you know, let alone yeah. write two at least every single day. And he called me up and he wanted to talk about it. And I said, he's like, I should be writing 10 a day. He's like, I, and I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm so upset with myself. He's on a second screenplay already. And, uh, and I'm like, well, 
you're writing two pages a day, right? Like the thing is, is you could write 10 pages in a day. In fact, you could probably write 20 pages in a day doing the work we're doing, but could you write 20 pages today and then write 20 pages tomorrow and then write 20 pages the next day? And I'm like, no. And let me explain why it's as though you went to the gym and you picked up the bench press and you could bench press 150 pounds. But then you said, you know what? I bench press 150 pounds, but I should be bench pressing 250 pounds. So I'm going to put another hundred pounds on it. It's not going to happen. You're not ready. But if you put five or 10 or 15 or 20 pounds on it, you might be able to do it. And I I was kind of helping him see that we make incremental growth, right? But I think as men, as we get older, when we start something new, we, if we have to start, like a lot of men will say they don't go to the gym because they don't want to be embarrassed, like that they have to lift such low weight. And they're like, in their late twenties or something. And meanwhile, you got all these guys who are lifting massive amounts. It's like, that's no reason not to go to the gym. And, um, you know, you're going to have to incrementally move it forward. You're not just going to show up and be benching as much as everyone else has, who's been there for the last year or two or three or 10 lifting weights, because, you know, it's a process. And I think, um, authenticity and honesty are like that. Like we're in your honest, like, okay, well, I can only lift this much right now. That's honest. Then from there, you can be authentic about it. You can be, you know, and then you can trust. Okay, well, I trust that I could lift at least 10 pounds more on top of this, right? So I'm going to try it and we'll see what happens. But I trust I can lift the 150, right? But if you, like if someone, what will happen in life, and I think where we we fail is because we, we pretend we're better than we are, we get in situations where, you know, we've lifted 150 pounds and we're, we're used to those scenarios and we do it and we achieve and we're successful and feel good about ourselves. But there's those rare occasions where we get in front of 250 pounds and we've told everyone and we've acted like we can lift 250 pounds, but when it comes down to brass tacks, we're not able to do it. And this happens not just in weightlifting, but like in other areas. So, you know, um, it's just like, uh, and just to go back to the dating thing, if you're going to approach somebody, don't expect that your first one is going to be successful. You know, it's like you got to, you're probably going to have to go through a few, few fails before you get the success. Maybe you'll get the success right away, but that's almost not good because I think going through a few no's, like once you realize that no is not devastating, that it isn't the end of your life, that you're okay, yeah. that you live, that you walked away. And in <laughs> fact, usually when you walk away, like if you have good friends around you, usually they'll be like, respect, good for you for doing that. Yeah. If you have shitty friends around you, get rid of them. If, if you come back to them, like, Oh, burn, you're a loser. Like get rid of those people. They're losers. Like, you know, they'll be, like, honestly, any guy who's good at asking out women, if they have a buddy, who's not, I, if they have a buddy, who's not, they're not going to be like, Oh, you're a loser. You went up to her and she rejected you. They're going to have respect for you because they know what it's like to be rejected. Yeah. Just like when I work out with guys that can lift way more weight than me, just because I'm lifting like a third of what they're lifting, they don't make fun of me. They, they're like, yeah, man, you can do it. Push, push, push. They're there on my side because they know what it's like to not be able to lift more than that. They had to work for that. Yeah. People who never work for shit in their life, they're the ones that make fun of you. They're the haters. They're the yeah. bullshit. If you're around them, call them out on it. You know, okay, let's see you go up and ask someone out. Go do it. You know, test their balls, you know, test their intestinal fortitude. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's like, when you're honest about yourself, confidence comes, authenticity comes, trust comes, because when I know what I'm capable of, even if you're stronger than me, 
I can be truthful and authentic with where I'm at and no one can take it away from me. You were talking about a eight mile and at the end when he makes fun of himself, right? Yeah. That's authenticity. That's when you're not, you you know, when you're true to the world, the world can't hurt you anymore. And I think that's what we're kind of talking about ultimately is when you're true, you're, you're, you know, no one can, can slam you, but when you're pretending to be something you're not, you're very, you know, you have to protect an image, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, it's, I think that's the thing is like, what we're really getting down to is, is before we even get to trust, we're talking about honesty and authenticity. If, and I think if you don't, if you don't know how to do that, if you're on the other end of this podcast, listen to these other podcasts that we've done so that you can get closer to your sense of honesty and authenticity. Cause we've spent a lot of time building that. Yeah. We're on another level now. Now we're on trust. Yeah. Now yeah. we're, now we're going, okay, we're honest now. We're being authentic. What's the next step? Trust. Yeah. 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 No, I, I mean, part of what I love about these conversations and, and what it's really opening up for me is this realization that, you know, where creativity and artistry come from is, is beyond, is beyond technique and craft. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we emphasize it so much in our society just because of the way that we do things in our society. It's just like, Oh, you educate and you do it. And you know, again, you execute a plan um, of how you do something. And, and it's like an equation and you get this result. Well, you know, art doesn't really, really fit within those kinds of confines. It's far beyond those confines. It stretches them. It breaks them. It, you know, it expands Yeah. and it moves. Right. right? So you can't, it, it, you know, these things are, are, are great. You know, they're, they're tools, but they're never, they're never, um, they're never an ends to, they're never the end result, you know, they're never the full end product, you know, there are potential means to an end, but not necessarily, um, you know, so much of, I think where artistry and, and creativity, true creativity comes from is these things that we talk about is authenticity is, you know, uh, uh, truth is, is trust, uh, like these, these things all kind of, they, they, they really do like one feeds into the next and, and then how you do it is, is up to you. How you do it is whatever works best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but trust is so, is so big with that. Trust really is, you know, I, I think it just, it frees us. I think it really it, and it, and it takes away a lot of the fear. Yeah. It takes away a lot of the doubt and the, and the, the pressure of, of what's we think something needs to be. Mm-hmm. And, and it allows us to, to just really engage with, with whatever's happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, yeah, it's like, there's, there's going to be, di- you're going to be at different levels. You know, you start off with 150 pounds on the bench press or something. And then, and then, you know, after a while, you go, cause I know this, like I've, you know, gone through years of like, you know, really regular exercise. In fact, I, I went through a couple of years in my life where I was just like, like I was hammering out like exercise and doing the gym thing, like five days a week of weights. And then like one day doing like six to 10 K run. Uh, and I did that for about two years and you know, it's a discipline, but it, it actually started out with that 
didn't begin. I didn't start at five days a week on weights and then one day of running. I started off with three days a week. And I think I did like, you know, a couple of different muscle groups and like maybe three sets and a couple of exercises in each of those days. Right. And I got to a point where I was just like, this is a little bit easy now. Like I, and I'd gotten into the habit of doing it. I was, I was, it was easy to do it. Right. I trusted myself to do it to a point where I'm like, okay, you know what? I trust myself to do a little bit more. And then it changed to like four days a week. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do four days a week. You know what? I'm going to focus on specific muscle groups. Right. And I started doing that. And then, and, and then I got used to doing that. And then it built up and until it got to the place where it was. And I mean, and that's, you know, where I ended it was the place where I ended it. Some people take it, take it beyond that. Sure. Um, whatever you sort of feel called to do, I guess. Right. I, I never felt called to go further than, than where I took it. Um, but I mean, it's, it, it's something that I think pertains to, to so many things. Like I, there's a reason why we call these things practices, why we call them disciplines, you know, because it requires that, like it requires time, mm-hmm. you know, we, we need time to develop these, these skills to build these muscles, not necessarily in literally, but you know, these, just to develop these, these parts of ourselves that we want to develop. And if it's worth, if it's worth our time, right, then, then we'll do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, again, sometimes like it's trusting, trust is so much, again, presence is going to enter this trusting where you're at, Mm -hmm. trust wherever you are right now. You want to write a screenplay, but you've never written a screenplay before, but you've got a great idea. Well, trust where you're at. Yeah. Like, like start somewhere you like read there's, there's a, there's, and, and especially in this time that we're in going, you can find amazing articles on just on the internet for how to, how to write something. You know, there's free screenwriting tools. There's tons of books that are like not even very expensive, you know, and you'll be on your way to writing your first screenplay. Right. But it, you know, you take these little steps, you take these little steps and trust your process mm-hmm. and, and trust that it's getting to where it's, it's going to go. Right. Well, also, you know, trust, like, you know, there's, and, and we talked a bit about this in the last podcast about persistence, but <clears throat> if I could say, you know, trust in little principles like persistence, you know, or commitment or follow through that, like that there's a, that there's a value in, in doing something every day, or there's a value in completing there is a, you know, and, and that, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get some kind of result out of it that you want. But like, like when someone tells me, oh, I wasted time doing this thing. I, I always like just stop the conversation right there. I'm like, explain to me why you believe that to be. And they'll be like, well, you know, it's a waste of time that I, you know, I wrote this screenplay. It's a waste of time that I did this movie. It's a waste of time. It's like, okay, so why? Because I didn't get the result. Basically comes down again. I didn't get the result I wanted to, you know, I didn't get this thing. It never sold. I didn't make any money, you know, whatever. I just got to rewrite it or the concept wasn't good in the first place or 
blah, 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 whatever. It doesn't matter. Name it. And the thing is, you go, well, okay, great. Okay, great. So is that the only way in which you're going to validate whether your time was worthwhile or not? Mm -hmm. You know, I wrote stuff when I was, uh, when I was 17, I wrote stuff when I was, you know, throughout my life. I look at some of the stuff I wrote when I was 17 and I don't know how to recapture that today. And uh, my writing back then was not very strong. Like I'm a way better writer today from a technical, emotional, connected point of view. But there was stuff I wrote that when I was that young, that only a 17 year old gets, you know, yeah. like really, because it's those intricacies of being at that place in your life. So, you know, there is a kind of a perfection mm-hmm. to wherever you're at, regardless of your skill set. you know, it's, um, you know, and so was it, is it a, you know, is it a waste of time to do that? No, because, you know, what that shows me is that whatever I create right now in my life, and if I do it truthfully, I do it honestly from this place might be something that I'll never really be able to recapture. Like, and, and there's stuff, even if, even a few years ago, I don't, I don't know if I could recapture it the same way. Cause you know, I've grown so much and changed so much. I really like what I'm writing right now, but at the same time, I'm not the same writer I was because my perspective in life has changed. And, um, you know, uh, I remember working with someone before, uh, um, whatever. I'm not, I don't want to get into details about it, but like having these idealistic ideas about how a script should be and, and kind of going, well, you know, let's think about it. Let's think about it. Think about it. Talk, talk it to death. And at a certain point, I'm like, stop talking, just fucking right. Because you know what? you're going to talk it to death. You're going to kill whatever authenticity or whatever's there. Like just write some words down, be vulnerable, be brave, expose your soul. You know what? And if it looks ugly, that's okay. Cause you know what? You're going to see something about yourself yeah. that's ugly and that's good. And you know what? If you want to be a good writer, this is my opinion. I'm going to say this out to the podcast. Anybody, if you want to be a writer and it probably goes for acting, directing, whatever artistry in any way, if you want to be a great writer, expose your ugly truth, expose that thing you hate about yourself, write that shit down. Cause then once that's out there, you can't pull any bullshit that it wasn't there. You'll look back and you'll go, man, that was inside of me. That's how I thought. And you can change and you can grow. But until you get honest, you don't have to show it to anybody, but write it down. You know, because I look back at my journal entries when I was like, 18, 19 years old. And I'm like, what an arrogant little prick I was (laughs) (laughs) to think I'm just going to show up to the film industry and everybody's going to love me and I'm going to be the next big deal. And like, and you know, in certain ways, uh, you know, my perceptions of the world, um, you know, were somewhat elitist or whatever. You know, I'm not saying that I'm a bad person. I don't think I'm a bad person. You were taught that. I was taught that that's, you know, in certain ways, that's what I need. I believed. Right. And so I look back and I go, well, that's so silly. I'm glad I wrote it down because now I can really remember and I can see that's where I was at in a certain place in my life. Um, you know, and, uh, and, and there's certain things that I look back that I also wrote when I was 17, 19 years old, right around there. Um, that I go, this is brilliant. I was onto something and I, and I shut it down because, you know, because I thought I needed to be different. So there's something great about just honestly doing life where you're at, you know? Um, and I think yeah. if we think it out and talk it out too much, we end up killing that authenticity, right? Which is, I think what we all really want to see. That's what we want to experience in art. Yeah. 
And, and, and it also comes down to like, well, what, what brought you to it in the, in, in the first place? Right. You know, like if you're writing a screenplay and like, yeah, no, you, you wanted it to, to sell. Like, you, you know, you had these ideas of, of grandeur in your mind of you're going to write the script and it's going to be like the most brilliant thing that has, has graced, you know, the yeah. world of man <laughs> and, and it's going to be this big deal and, and your whole like life will now just be like a beautiful golden, golden brick road, <laughs> right. Uh, all the way until its end. And it's like, well, like that's like, that's very nice. Yeah. That's very nice. But it's like, but in this whole thing of you, you wanted to write it though. Like you still wanted to write this story mm-hmm. despite all of these things that you wanted to maybe come from it. You still wanted to just write this story. So no matter what ended up happening with it, what would have happened if you didn't write it? You just wouldn't have written a script or you yeah. wouldn't have done this thing that you wanted to do. You wouldn't have written this song or made an album or, you know, gone and done like a, a, a play, you know, or something like you just, you just wouldn't have done it. Right. And you would have always wondered what if I had done it. Right. And there's no guarantees on what, what that outcome of doing that will have been, but you will have at least done it which was, and ideally it was because you wanted to, mm-hmm. like it was just something that you wanted to do. And for whatever reason, that's never good enough for us. Yeah. Like it never, it's never, that's not enough validation for us to pursue our dreams and passions just for the sake of having done it. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, trust enters into this to a large degree because I, when we learn to just trust that sort of unfolding of the works we do and how, how the works that we, we do, you know, how, how they color our lives, you know, as people, you know, and, and our actual personal selves and our personal lives. Um, when we like, I think from a place of trust, you know, you begin to it gives you a certain perspective on, on everything that happens. Yeah. You know, whether it's like, Oh, you know, I, I, I wrote this thing and geez, I really don't like this, this part of it and, or whatever. It's just like, okay, that's great. That's fantastic. Trust that that's exactly what was supposed to happen. You wrote exactly what you were supposed to write and now you're seeing it and trust that now you are seeing it for a reason. Mm-hmm. and trust that now whatever is going to happen next is the thing that that's supposed to come of this, right? Like you you begin to you know, trust really does open up a door to presence mm-hmm. in to a large degree and and we've discussed presence a lot in like, you know, a few weeks back or so. Like we've really gotten to some big conversations <laughs> yeah. on presence. But Being no, the moment, I always yeah. love it because we stumble upon these new things that just add new depth and new layers to, to the whole thing. And, you know, the, and, and so to get back into some of the things we were, we were talking about, like when you get into that place of, of presence, like everything just becomes a teacher. Yeah. Like you can just like look at everything as, as something to teach you, like as opposed to things that are just like screwing shit up for you, 
you can say like, Oh wow, this is, this is something, this is a teacher. This is a lesson, you know, and you can welcome it and you can say, thank you Mm. at the end of it, as opposed to begrudging, you know, the fates that have befallen your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a poetic way to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, no, I, uh, it's interesting with the presence thing. I mean, it's kind of like that question, you know, why is this moment perfect? you know, is, is kind of, you know, I think, I think where trust, trust comes, if you, if you trust that, if you trust that it's, it's, that the moment is perfect, you can look at it from that filter, from that perspective, and then you can deal with it. I think, um, you know, anyone could argue that a a moment is not perfect. You know, anyone can say, well, it's not perfect, but through what standard and what, you know, whatever, like, it is what it is. The thing is, is it's happened. Like the milk spilt, <laughs> you know, because you don't want it to doesn't make you not clumsy anymore. <laughs> you know, because yeah. you didn't want something to not happen. Doesn't make it not so anymore. Like, um, you know, I, 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 I said on the last podcast, I spilt beer in my dad's lap the last time we went to dinner and, um, we laughed about it and whatever. And, uh, in some ways I thought, you know, how perfect I got to see my clumsiness. I got to see my, uh, my, what I'm doing in life right now that I'm not paying close attention to things right now. And I'm not going around spilling beer on everyone's lap. Yeah. It was kind of like one of those moments where I I got an interaction with myself and I can, and I can look at that and I go, okay, be more mindful. If you want, if you don't want to spill beer on people's laps, start thinking a little bit more carefully about your surroundings. And that's a good lesson. Or maybe learn to have a little bit more humor about it. Maybe, or to be a little bit more forgiving of yourself, you know, like, and cause yeah, like just what you're saying, whenever, you know, one of these sort of little clumsy things happens to myself, like I spill something or I knock something over or whatever, I, I'm usually just like, Whoa, slow down. Like I am totally like not present to where I am. I'm not, I'm, I'm up here or I'm off. Sometimes it's like, Oh, I'm frustrated or I'm agitated about something, you know? And I'm like, Oh, okay. And I'm not dealing with it. You know, I'm not looking at it. I'm just like, kind of like a gorilla in my (laughs) kitchen or something like that. Just like knocking shit over. Yeah. And so it's, it's even then like the, even the most mundane things can become, like little lessons for us, little things to just remind us of certain things. Well, you know what? We were talking about this in a previous podcast about story. And I mean, I broke it down a little bit, but the whole, I'm having a bad day story, Yeah. which is I get out of bed. I'm late for work. I stub my toe the moment I get out of bed, the shower's cold and then traffic's backed up and I'm going to, it's even going to be worse. I'm going to get fired. I think so. I'm having a bad day. Um, okay. So you get up, you wake up late for work. You're not having a bad day. You were not mindful to set your alarm and make sure that you got up on time. You didn't take the pre-precautions to do it. You stub your toe. You're clumsy. You stubbed your toe. It's not, you're having a bad day. Like, like the thing is, it's so funny. Like we have all these ways in which we try to excuse ourselves from the scenario. Do you have a cold <laughs> shower? Well, the day is out to get me. Like, <laughs> like the day. You know what? Look at, look at this. You can go, Oh, well I could not have suspected that traffic would have been backed up. It's like, you know what? Shit happens. And there's a whole world going on outside of you. And I think the thing is, is that, um, 
you know, when we interact with reality, we get an experience of ourselves and we get an experience of the world. And I think this is something I was actually journaling about this last night, but I was thinking when we're born, we have no interaction with the world, no experience, no whatever. All we have is, you know, basically who we are, our, our biology and, you know, hereditary things we were given and whatever. And then we have to figure shit out. So everything that happens is a chance for us to interact with the world, ourselves and others. And I kind of came to the ultimate understanding that that's all life really is, is interacting with ourself, the world and others. And we get to find out who we are and gain some self-awareness by doing this. If we want to be ignorant and we want to like deny who we are and, and keep up a facade and pretend we can deny the reality when we bump into the world and we bump into others and whatever. But if we want to be someone who's like evolved and has more capacity, I think it's all about self-awareness. And I think the thing is, is you just ultimately, every time you bump into the world, you go, thank you. Great. I know where I stand in the world a little bit better now. You know, I, I, uh, this morning when I was getting out of bed, I have a table near the foot of my bed and I kicked it, <laughs> you know, cause I was like, Oh, I don't want to get up. And I swung my foot to move the sheets and I kicked it and it hurt my toe. Right. And yeah. I was like, uh, and I just stood there for a moment. And I was like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> cause my little moment, I'm just like, you know what? I didn't realize that I put that table there. Now I sure do. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, whatever. But the thing is, is like, now I have a little bit better understanding of my surroundings. You think I'm going to do that again? Probably not. <laughs> but that's like a gift in a weird way. It's, it's kind of painful, but you know, we learn, we interact with the world. We learn where we stand within it. And I think, um, you know, this whole thing about trust is all we can trust is the experience we've had interacting with the world and others and ourself. And, and you got to trust what you got. Cause that's all you got. Yeah. You know, the world doesn't, the universe doesn't come in and plant something in your head and say, you should know better. You have to bump into the world. You have to fall and figure out where it is. And then you can go, okay, I know where I am in relation to it. And then you can deal. Yeah. Right. And no one's above that. No, no, either. nobody's above it. It's just how, how sort of, uh, how much of a willing participant in that are you or how much of a resistant participant are you in all of it? Right. right. It's like you can embrace it or you can deny it, but doesn't change the fact that you're in it. No. <laughs> right. No, when I, you, and when you embrace it, the thing is, is that you, you learn a lot quicker, right? You know, you, you, yeah, you just learn a little bit quicker. Right. Um, but you're still not above it. Well, I think, uh, you know, with, with the, to go back to the acting thing too, is the Meisner is a lot like that. You're, you're interacting with another human being truly interacting with them. And you have to interact with them from a place, at least this is my experience. And you can tell me you've done it way more than I have. But, um, my experience of it was you interact with this person and you have to deal with the reality of what they're doing. There is no other reality. Like you can't make it up anymore. It just, the, 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 the system of it doesn't allow you. I remember we were doing an exercise in your workshop and she wouldn't look at me. (laughs) it's like, I did everything to get her to look at me that I could think of. And I, I just couldn't get her to do it. And I was like, and I had to deal with it and it was frustrating, but like, ultimately it, what's so great about that. There's so many lessons in that is that as much as I want it to be a certain way, 
doesn't matter how badly I want it. Like there's uh sometimes the world is working a certain way and you just got to deal with it the way it is and, yeah. and adapt to the way that it is. And the scene partner I have, like any scene partner I have, if they're being honest and truthful to themselves, to them, that's what they're doing. And who even knows her reasoning? But the thing is, is for me to try and pose my will, although my will is more important than another person is that's an interaction with reality where you have to ultimately go, okay, things are happening the way they're happening. I'm not going to make it wrong. I'm going to trust that this is giving me exactly what I need to deal with so I can do it. Like there was a part of me, I remember during that scene where I did my, and, 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 and I'm so glad I had this awareness, but where I, where I almost wanted to step out as the director and be like, this isn't how the scene should go. (laughs) You know, like, but then there's this part of me that's like, no, you don't get to do that, buddy. You're in this. Yeah. (laughs) Cut that shit out. And like, I went back into the moment. It was like, that's like, uh, you know, um, that was like a really good moment for me as an actor because I was like, yeah, like you don't get to control it as an actor. You gotta, you gotta live it. You gotta be it. And that's, uh, uh, kind of a wonderful thing. Cause that's like life, you know, you, you don't get to decide, well, I wanted to get hired. So you have to hire me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, that's really, that's really cool. I'm glad you had that experience because yeah, it's, it's, um, you, you are, you, you're, you're in somewhat, you're forced to, you know, you're kind of put in a situation where you're just, you're just forced to deal with whatever's happened to you. You have nothing really else to, you have nothing really to f- fall back on. No. You know, and it, and it takes you to, it takes you to sort of your, your edge takes you to your boundaries and to a place where you don't know where you're going Mm -hmm. and where you don't know what's going to happen. And in Meisner work, that's actually where you're encouraged to go. At least if a good Meisner teacher should be encouraging you to go to that place where it's like, I have no idea. Yeah. I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen, but I trust (laughs) that I'm going to figure out how to do whatever I'm doing. Right. In the moment. Like I don't need to know how I'm going to do it. That was another big thing for me when I was going through my, my process of it. And I think I've shared that before, but, um, uh, I'll, I'll just give the cliff notes on it, <laughs> on this one. but I was, I was doing a scene and, uh, in, in Meisner, it wasn't like a scripted one, but, um, there were circumstances and, and things that were set up within the scenario, um, to make the interaction I was having with the other person very difficult. And, uh, and I didn't know how I was going to do it going into it. Like, I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to do this because I had a certain idea of, you know, how, how this was going to unfold. Like I knew somebody, like I was going to be in, in this room, you know, in front of the class, but like in, I was going to be in a room and I had this sort of activity that I was doing. I was doing this, you know, I was doing this activity, which I had created meaning for myself and somebody else was going to be coming to the door and I didn't know what was going to be going on with them, but I knew something was going to be happening with them. That was as much as I knew. Not very much. Like I knew what I was going to be doing 
didn't know really exactly. I knew this one sort of thing was going to happen, but I didn't really know any of the conditions behind it. You didn't even know when. I didn't even know when. Yeah. Didn't even know when that person was going to come knocking on the door. I just knew at some point someone was going to knock on the door yeah. and I was going to have to deal with whatever was on the other side of that door. Right. Um, so before this happened, so this is all I know before this is going to happen. I'm thinking about this in the afternoon and I'm just like, I, I, based on what I knew I was going to be doing, I was like, I don't know how I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I have absolutely no idea how this is going to happen. Like, how am I possibly going to do this thing that I've, that I picked for myself? (laughs) Truly, this wasn't given to me. It was like, I decided on, on sort of my own activity for this scene. And I was like, how am I going to do this? And then whenever this person comes in, how am I going to deal with them? And I was freaking out about it. I was just like, Oh God, like, uh, like trying to see if I could come up with some sort of a strategy. And then, and then it just like, it hit me. Like it just completely hit me. And I said, I don't have to know. I don't have to know how I'm going to do it. I can't comprehend how I'm going to do it. Mm. Like it's impossible. Like it got to that point where like my mind just could not comprehend how I was going to do it. I said, okay, so the only way that I'm going to know is in the doing of it. And that's exactly what happened. The scene went and it was, and it was, uh, it was quite extraordinary actually what happened (laughs) in that scene. And with my partner, it was just like, it was, it was, uh, it was a beautifully like sort of agonizing kind of scene that unfolded. And, uh, and it was, none of it was planned. Mm-hmm. Like almost none of it was the, in, as far as the interaction, I had no idea how that would go. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the only thing that was planned again was the activity that I was going to be doing in my own set of circumstances that I had. Right. Otherwise I didn't know. Well, you know, I think, um, you know what I think I'm seeing too with trust, the more we have this discussion is that Trust creates a space for things to happen that are kind of profound and extraordinary. You know, they're kind of, um, they're kind of something that is just so wonderful. But if you don't have the trust and you try to control, you make it so small, you make the options so minimal about what can happen in that space that, yeah, you kind of know what might happen? Maybe, maybe in some scenarios, maybe not, but you, you, you contrive it to the point where it's so limited that it becomes controlled and you cut out all the opportunity for this other thing to happen. There's a scene, um, these guys have a page called in the moment on Facebook and it's just about acting and whatever, but there's a scene from, uh, with Marlon Brando and Robert De Niro in that movie, the score. Mm. And they're talking about, basically Robert De Niro needs some money and Marlon Brando's like the guy that can give it to him. And Marlon Brando does it and they just show all his takes. And every single take is totally different. He's like saying different lines or whatever, but every single one of them was so engaging and compelling. And there's this one he does where 
the guy, uh, De Niro asks him for the money and he pretends to dial a phone and he's like, hello, operator. He's like, this guy's crazy. He's asking me for money. He's like, what am I going to give with this money for? It's like, and then uh, he did his other ones and he didn't do the phone call thing. Yeah. But I love the phone call thing. Like I thought, man, the phone call thing, that's the winner. That's the brilliant one. But all were really compelling. The thing is, I think when you're, when you're an actor or whatever, you try and go, oh, I like the phone call one. I'm going to do that one every time or whatever. That's the best one. It's like, one thing I really, really like about Marlon Brando and why he's someone who I just respect as an artist is because he, to me, regardless of anything you can say about his personal life and who he was, to me, he, he taught, I think, all of us that, and he, he did it with such an exceptional ability that what you do in the moment, whatever it might be, is what it is and it's perfect for it is and you don't need to recreate it like yeah. it 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 is that and i think the reason why he was so highly acclaimed and so respected was because you know it wasn't necessarily that he was going to do the best option every time but he was going to do something so truthful and so trusting in his performance that you couldn't help but be fully engaged in yeah. it and had you not seen the other options you wouldn't question whether that option was truthful or not. Yeah. The only reason why I could question whether one of his takes was better or worse was because I had the luxury to see all three. Yeah. <laughs> and as a director, I can choose that. But as an actor, if he tried to recreate it, he would actually limit my options as a director. It's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, and I, and uh, maybe we can share the link on this to yeah. that p- specific video. But I thought, you know, that's such a great example of trusting and being in the moment. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I, I mean, I really think that it, it's in my belief that like true sort of acts of creation, like they, they occur in the moment. Yeah. Like there's like, you cannot, you cannot pre-plan, you cannot, um, I can't, the word's not coming to me, but you cannot just you cannot pre-construct it. You can't like, it's, it's gotta, it's gotta be built in the, in the very moment, you know, and it's, and it's a kind of a scary thing to do, you know, because it requires trust, right? Exactly what we're talking about. But, you know, I've, I've seen the effects of what, you know, when somebody just trusts what's happening and what's going on, what can occur. I mean, I've shared this story before as well with, um, an actor that I studied with and I saw him do this scene, this one particular scene a multitude of times with, um, another actor who was like, it was sort of like a father, it was a father and son. So it was like a generation between the two. And one was a very, very experienced actor. The other was, you know, still a, a full-time acting student. And, um, and the, and the, the younger actor, he was, he was struggling with this scene he was, he was having troubles getting, just getting connected to it. It's not for a lack of trying, you know, like he was, he was working very hard at it. You know, he was, he was just pouring over this scene, like, just like rack, like just going nuts, like just racking his head over how to, you know, achieve some level of authenticity for, at least for himself within this. And then I remember after maybe like the it was like maybe like the fourth or fifth time that I, I saw them put up this scene and it was just like, wow. Like it was like, it just, 
finally, like it had taken on this sort of life, like this truthful life to it. Hmm. And talking to them later, you know, after the, it was all done, um, the, the younger student who was having the trouble, he was, we were chatting and and he said, you know, like my, my partner who is also actually an acting teacher and a, a terrific one as well. Um, it's like, he just told me, he's like, whatever you got, trust it. Mm. It's like, whatever you feel you've got, just trust it. And he was able to just sort of trust wherever he was at, you know, put his, some of his doubts and his worries about it all aside and trust it. And he was just like, it was so night and day, Mm. like in terms of his presence in that scene. Right. You know, I, you know, I, I was thinking about this whole thing with trust too. And like what you're talking about, um, like trust, um, it's really helpful when you have put a lot of work and practice in, you know, like, um, if you're unpracticed, it's, it's harder to trust something, right? Like trust is based on the data you've collected about yourself, you know, that you, or data you've collected about something in the world. Right. So like, um, it, you know, I think about Muhammad Ali and, and he had a quote, something along the lines of like, I hated training, but I thought, you know, train today, be a champion tomorrow, essentially. Right. And the thing is, is when you look at Muhammad Ali fight in the ring, there is his, his, uh, charisma and the, just the way he moved, there was such trust, you know, he just knew he wasn't going to get hit, you know, and you can see it, you know, there's this confidence that's just so rare. But the thing is, is I think for him is that he practiced and trained so hard that when it came down to fight night, he, he could trust in what he had done. And I think, um, I think where people, and I, I have done this myself, but I think where we fail as artists is when we have not practiced or we haven't had time to prepare or whatever. And instead of just owning that, we try to pretend as though we have, we try to go, I'm going to put on a little extra or do a little more, you know? And I think, um, you know, I think if we just own where we're at, regardless of where that is, regardless of how trained or how practiced we are, um, you know, we will get better results, especially in art, because in boxing, you don't get that luxury. You get knocked out. You know what I mean? If you haven't trained, you just, you get tired out or you get knocked out. It just is, it's just, you hit in reality. You're hitting someone's fists. It doesn't matter. But in art, because there's no, like, because we get this illusion of hitting up against reality, I think that's where artists kind of take that breath, that room, and they try to take advantage of it, and they create that inauthenticity in themselves. I know I've done that before myself, and I think really what we got to do is we got to deal with it as though it's a boxing match, as though it's real life, and deal with it and not try to fake reality, because, you know, reality will ultimately not be beaten, you know, like uh, there's a saying... um, if a rock's falling on your head, it's not going to be like apologetic. <laughs> you know, it's not like it's <laughs> falling on your head. I mean, it's like, you can't just be, oh, I'm not ready. It's going to hit you. You know, it's like reality is just reality. It's like, you know, and I think when we make art any less than that, when we try to like cheat it because we can rig the game, I think that's where we, 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 um, abuse. We, we're not trusting. And also to rig the game of something because we don't have to interact with reality is the opposite of trust. If you trust 
then you trust that whatever you do will be just fine for what it is. But if you have to rig it, it's kind of like you're, you're, you're putting a mask on, you're pretending to be. And I think, uh, you know, that's where you get that kind of like, um, I don't even know how to put it. It's like an unearned kind of, you know, thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were, we had sort of actually talked about this before we, we started recording, but yeah, this, this whole thing of, of, um, you know, like when you, when you trust, um, and when you're, and when you're open and like available and so, so often, and even the word, word vulnerable, we talked about this is like, we, you know, we, we associate it with, with sort of weakness, um, that will be taken advantage of and that you'll be stomped on and, you know, what have you. And I can, while I can understand a degree of that, um, there's, it's, I don't think it's entirely true. I mean, I think that when we are open, available, honest, um, vulnerable (laughs) for lack of a better word, um, it's, it is actually a point of strength because it says that I don't need any defenses. You know, it says that I am, I'm available and trusting and will receive whatever comes mm-hmm. and I'll take it for what it is. And, and that will be completely okay with me mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, all these strategies and controls and defenses that we come up with, which actually speak of true vulnerability, which says that I, I, I can be hurt by, you know, by somebody else's words that I can be hurt by somebody else's response to me. And, and again, it just, it, it does like what you were saying earlier, like it just narrows, narrows sort of our frame. Like it just narrows the, the space that we get to work in, Yeah, you know, and, and, it, and it confines us and we say like, no, I can't move outside of this space, but you know, creation occurs in the places that we don't know where, where we don't know where we're going. Yeah. And well, so we, the kind of creation we want to witness that we experience. want to witness. That's like, cause how, how else? Cause when we think even about the word creation, like creation means like that, that's something that is new. Yeah. That is something that is alive. That is something that is now. And how can we do that when we put ourselves in this little place where we say, it's like, okay, I can do this and I can do this and this, but I can't go anywhere outside of this. And you can't move and you can't move. Yeah. There's no, you, you can't go anywhere. And it's like, no, you've got to completely, you've got to break out of that shell and you've got to go into this place where you're like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm here for it. Yeah. I'm here for it, whatever it is. And whatever happens, I'm going to have some kind of a response to it. <clears throat> yes. I will respond somehow. Right. Cause I have no choice but to respond to it somehow. I just don't know what it's going to be. And again, that's, that takes trust, right? It takes complete trust in that. And it's, and it, it's a really, again, it's a scary thing to do. We're not, you, we're not practiced at doing it, but that's why I think this is such an important conversation because I'm like, well, as artists, I think that we have to trust that. That's why I want, I really wanted to talk about this, even though we're like, I don't, I don't know (laughs) what we can really add to this conversation because we're, we're sort of just grappling with this ourselves and and diving into it. But I'm like, I want to get into this because, because there's something here 
that I want to talk about. And I'm glad we're talking about it because it's, it's opening some things up for me. Um, it's definitely opened some doors for me. I have something else to say about, uh, before we close this off about, um, trust, but why don't you mention the beer? Cause we're, we've yes. been drinking this thing away and yes, this is from, uh, R and B brewing company. All right. And they've been around for a while. I don't know where their other location is, but they just recently opened up a new one. Um, is that where you went? The new one? Yeah. Where, and where's it, that? It's on, um, uh, Quebec street and fourth Avenue in oh, Vancouver. Okay. Uh, they've also got like a little pizza house in there as well. So they got a little growler fill station, go over and get some pizza as well. Haven't nice. tried the pizza, but, uh, this is their, um, their white IPA. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like a wheat beer with like a little bit of like that IPA hoppiness to it. Uh, the, the write up on it said it's like got like infusions of like pear mm-hmm. in it and stuff. But, um, yeah, I really liked it. It's yeah. not, it, it is like a little bit hoppier, definitely, but it's not like, it's not like a smack you in the face IPA. No, <laughs> no, I've really enjoyed it. I mean, uh, we're, we're nearly at the bottom of this. Um, we're almost finished this beer and it's been a really enjoyable one. Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's good. I mean, it's a, it's a really nice beer. I definitely, I give it the thumbs up and I'm happy yeah. with it. And it's nice to, no, it's cool to try. I, I like, I like how we just keep trying to push to go to new breweries and stuff. And pretty soon, you know, after we do enough of these podcasts, we're going to have to go across the whole West coast and then the world, I suppose. That, that sounds like a great thing to do with, yeah. do with our time. To be honest, like there's anything wrong with that. But yeah, R and B brewing, um, really good. I tried a couple of their other ones as well, which it made it a very tough decision. Did it? Yeah. Um, they, everything I tasted from them was just fantastic. So, yeah, well, this is a solid beer. I mean, I, I really like it a lot. Um, so, so what I was going to say was about this was, uh, right now I'm building a, um, I'm working with a, with a friend of mine to build kind of a small, um, production type of company. Um, we're, we're, it's kind of a bit experimental kind of partly just to get some stuff done and whatever, um, have some fun making things. Right. And, um, our plan is to slowly between the two of us slowly build the team outward. So we'll eventually include more people, but we don't want to be like, okay, let's just invite everybody right now because we had a big talk about, you know, when we're building this thing, how do we want to build it moving forward? And, we both had experiences where partnerships have kind of failed us or let us down or been a disappointment in certain respects. And we've looked at what was our responsibility in it? How do we cause that and create that? And, and how do we make sure that moving forward, we don't do that with each other or anyone else who we include. And ultimately at the end of the discussion, we came to the point of let's have our goals. Let's have our, you know, our, our, our direction, but let's have direction, not a destination. And that was ultimately the goal that we came to is that if we have a direction, like for example, we want to create stuff, we want to have fun, we want to do it with integrity and we want to do stuff that moves and impacts people, right? So at any time, and we're, we're still working out the details of our direction. So that's not it, but we, we basically ultimately came to the agreement that we want to be able to stop ourselves at any point during production, during anything, a meeting, and just ask ourselves, are we on point for direction? Because I think what happens is 
um, and this has happened to me before with uh, production companies that I've been involved in. We, you know, there's too much focus on the destination. Where are we going? Where are we trying to get to? What are we trying to achieve and do? And the thing is, is, as you and I have experienced enough in life, and hopefully our listeners, that if you have a destination you plan to get to, good luck, you know, because goals are not about a destination. Goals are about a, a direction. You know, if you if you say, you know, I want to be an actor, I want to, I want to be the lead in a movie. That isn't the direct, that isn't the destination. That's a direction for something further. And I think when we get caught up in destination, we start to go, well, there'll be a point where I've made it. There's a, there's an end goal to this or whatever. And I think with art and with creativity, it's not so much about that. It's about sending things in a direction. And so in this discussion, we started talking a little bit further. We started talking about big companies like Facebook and Apple and big companies. And those companies are not a destination company. They're a direction company. They're taking things in a direction. And you can name many other companies that are like this. And so what I was thinking about with this conversation was we, we, we need to trust our direction. We need to not get so controlling about our destination. You know, and I think like um, when I did Meisner, my experience of it was things take a direction, but the destination is always unknown. You never know where you're going to end up. Even when you think you know, sometimes you end up there, but most of the time you don't. And so to try and gamble on the destination is a losing game, but to gamble on the direction is 100%. The moment someone goes and they turn it and they go, they'll point something out, they'll repeat something and they'll go, you're nervous. And you go, I'm nervous. And it takes a new direction. That's always true. And so it's, it's kind of like, I'm thinking about this trust thing. And it's like, if you come at it in acting from a place of, or anything really, but if, you know, I'm just going to focus on acting. If you come at it from a place of, I'm going to trust that, that in the moment, and being truthful to that will direct us to where we need to go based on the circumstances and everything else that's set up that we will end up in the destination that we're supposed to end up, even though I don't know what that is, that everything will be fine. And so I really think trust and, and direction are very related. You know, they're very much in the same thing. And I think when we try to manufacture the direction, we get away from trust. Yeah. So that was the point that I was, I was, that was kind of yeah. sitting with me because I was like, yeah, like when, when I was having this conversation, which is obviously before this podcast, I was like, why did that conversation resonate so much with the both of us? And I think it's because there was a, a recognition that if we go direction, we can trust that. Yeah. But if we go destination, we never know where we're going to end up. We don't know if this little production company will be, will, will be done in the next few months or if it will be done in a few years or if it will last forever. We don't know. We don't know what it'll ultimately end up, what it'll achieve, what it'll do. But if we set out with a direction, regardless, we can all walk away from it at any point and say, you know what? I got closer to where I was headed and we can all be happy. But I think if you set it up, like we have to reach some destination, if you leave before that destination is met, you're always going to be disappointed. Everyone's going to be disappointed. Yeah. It's too much. It's too much pressure. But direction is like, you know what? I might go off on my own now, but I got closer to where I was headed. Yeah. You know, it leaves you open to seeing whatever the destination will be. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and there's a lot more excitement about that. There's a lot more engagement and intrigue when it doesn't have to be some sort of a thing, you know? And, uh, like all this, it, it actually reminds me, this actually kind of surmises 
trust in a lot of ways. It was, um, and I, it's a paraphrase that, uh, I can't remember who said this. Well, but we'll look into it, maybe post it onto the, uh, <laughs> onto the page. Um, but it was, um, uh, accept your feelings, know your purpose, do what needs doing. And I think that kind of actually like really speaks a lot to trust in what's happening. It's like, accept your feelings, you know, whatever is going on for you, no matter what you think, you know, know your purpose, like sort of know your direction, right? Like this is the, where you want to head. And then from, from there, you don't know what's going to happen. What I love about it is that it ends with do what needs doing. Like it's, it's alive. You you don't know what you're going to need to do. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but right now, but now in, in the now you will always know what you will need to do. You know, there's a, um, I own just about every book that he, he he wrote, um, Jeffrey Gittimer who's, uh, basically he writes a lot of books on sales and whatever, and helps people build their businesses. But, um, he, he has this one quote, which is like something like you, you know what you need to do. The problem is, is you're not doing it. And, you know, um, and, and my other business mentors have pointed, pointed a similar thing out, which is in different contexts, but that usually in the moment, you know exactly what you need to do. I mean, it's, it's, it's usually a very simple thing and you just need to do that. But I think what happens is we get all caught up in planning and going, well, I have to do this, this, and this. And it's like, one thing that I can say is like, if if there's any success strategy that I have in life, which I don't know how many I have, but I have one for sure. Whatever you're doing, do that a hundred percent and don't do anything other than that while you're doing it. And when you stop doing that, stop doing it a hundred percent. And then when you do your next thing, do that a hundred percent. And that's the best success strategy I could give to anybody because nothing about thinking about something else while you're doing something helps you. (laughs) It really doesn't. You can see how the thing you're doing is related to something else. and, And maybe that can help you do the thing you're doing better. Like for example, if I have an activity that I have to do, like I need to make, uh, phone calls to enroll people into the movie course. Okay. So I got to do that. I might think about how other people in my life for a moment, I might consider if I choose to make calls right now, is there anybody that I'm not letting down or I'm not upholding, or is there anybody that I could be walking over by doing this? That's a good kind of moment to take and consider your, your holistic environment. But I think at a certain point, if you really want to succeed at something, you need to get ultimately focused on that and live that and do that. You know, when I do writing, I set a timer. Uh, usually it's about every half an hour. If I'm writing for a longer period, I might set it for a few hours. But I have a, a basically it's a wake up call, literally like a wake up call, because when I write, it's as though I'm dreaming. I'm not even I'm not even in reality. Like um, and, and, uh, what ha- like, I'm not in the reality I'm in. I'm in the reality I'm writing and the alarm goes off and I wake up for a moment from my slumber of creativity. And I'm like, Oh, I'm in a cafe. <laughs> I look around and I'm like, my coffee's empty or whatever. And I, you know, and then I go, okay, uh, you know, I need more coffee or I don't or whatever. And I go back in and I start writing and every once in a while, um, you know, there's this cafe I write down at, down the street and the servers, they, you know, a couple of them actually, and they know me so well that when they see I'm out of stuff, 
they'll come and be like, okay, do you need anything? And I'll stop for a moment and I'll go, yeah, coffee. Great. And it's like kind of seamless. Boom. I'm right back in. And there's kind of this, this, it's wonderful. It's like I have a teammate, you know, who's just looking out for me. But I think that what's really wonderful is I love these cafes because I go to them and they, they allow me to be a hundred percent in my writing while I'm doing it. And I think that's what's part of has helped me be successful as a writer. I think, but everything is like that. You know, when you're acting, you're acting 100%. When the scene's over, they call cut, boom, you can wake up. It's a wake up from your slumber of creativity. And then you can be like, okay, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> Where am I? Oh, I'm on set. Oh yeah. The director has some notes. Okay, great. <laughs> you know? But I, but I really think that like, um, you know, when we're in the moment, we really know what we need to do. You know, there's, like, if you're worried about paying a bill or whatever, the thing is, is like, are you doing something about paying the bill or you're not doing something about paying the bill? If you're not doing something about paying the bill, then the bill doesn't matter right now, I guarantee you. But if you think, hey, I ought to be doing something about paying the bill, then do something about paying the bill. But while you're doing something about paying the bill, worrying about it being paid is not going to be really a concern because you're doing it. So it won't matter. But like, like, um, there's a, a quote I read previously. It says, worry never solves anything in the future. It only takes away from the power of the moment. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's it, you know? Oh yeah, completely. So I think we got to just, uh, you know, okay. So let me tie this back. Trust. When we're focused on something, we have to trust that whatever we're choosing to focus on is the thing to focus on. And then when we're done that, we focus on the next thing. And, um, you know, whatever, maybe you make a mistake, maybe you focus on something too long and then you go, Oh, you know, I slept in too long or I, I wrote too long or I did this thing too long. Fine. Then do the next thing. But, but I think it's when we split our focus, we start to dismantle our power, dismantle our creativity ability. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's my thought. All right. Well, it sounds like we're wrapping up. What are your final points, Evan? My, my final points, man you know, it's, I guess, learning to trust. I mean, that it's easier said than done, but it's, it's essential. It really is. It's integral (laughs) as the title says, um, to, to being the most sort of free as an artist. Like it's, it, it opens you up. It taps you in it it's, it's really kind of everything. I guess this is an interesting realization to be having at the end. No, I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen to this, but this is, this is my, this is what I've come away with on this. Or it's like, yeah, you just trust, trust that whatever is happening is exactly what's supposed to be happening. And, you know, maybe you don't like it. That's fine. You know, but look for the lessons in that. Mm -hmm. Look for, for where that is directing you because it is, it's, it's just directing you on where to go next. Mm-hmm. You know, what, like, what's the next thing to do now? Right. <laughs> I suppose. And yeah, I, otherwise I, we've gotten into so much, it's so hard to surmise this one. Um, because like we said, there's so many things that fuel into all of it. Like trust plays into presence, trust plays into authenticity, trust plays into honesty. Like it's, it's, and I guess the other thing that I'm, I'm walking away with here is that, I mean, not that I didn't know this, but it's just f- f- made, created a greater affirmation of it for me is 
how much art and creativity is so not about the technical shit. Mm-hmm. It's really not about the how so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I think for me, the thing that I'm realizing about trust is trust is you experience yourself headed in a direction, um, for whatever reason. And if it feels like the right direction for you, if you feel like you're headed in the right way, go with it, period. There's really no, um, there's no point in trying to outthink that, you know, if, if, uh, you see someone you, we talked about dating earlier, you see someone, you like them, that's a direction, go do it. Don't question it. Don't doubt it. Don't think about it. You like them, period. You want to ask them out. You have that thought, that instinct, go for it. That's truth. That's trust. That's, that's where great things happen. If you worry about the result, that is not trust. That's destination. That's, it needs to be this way when I ask this person out or do this thing. Um, acting same way, you know, writing same way. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, you, you, want to, I think, bring whatever you have to the table at the time. And if you don't like what you're bringing to the table, go and practice. You know, if you don't think you're bringing enough to the table, go work on it and develop it. And then when the moment strikes, because, you know, opportunity is a combination of the moment presenting itself all the preparation that you did up to that moment. And if you haven't done the prep, you haven't done the prep. That's reality. So that's where discipline comes in. And and I'm going to tie this back as you mentioned discipline earlier. Discipline comes in and knowing that you are going to have the opportunity come and trusting and believing it will come. So when it comes, I will be prepared. I will be ready. Yeah. At least to the, to, I'll be ready for wherever I'm at. To the best of my ability based on what I can do. You know, I, I, and I talk about sports a lot on this, but like, I remember being like, if I get a breakaway, I am going to be faster than defender. I don't care who they are. I will be faster. And I used to stretch my hamstrings and run and sprint and just do everything I could. And then after I got so fast that I could beat anybody, like literally anybody, I was I was the fastest guy on the field. It was rare to find someone that was close to me. I was like, I'm going to learn how to shoot that ball so damn hard that the goalie doesn't even know which way to jump because it's that hard. And I just, I put my chest over the ball and I hit that ball against the net. Boom, boom, boom. Just did it over and over every single day. And I could run so fast and hit that ball at a certain point and I put it in the corner, you know, and that's what you got to do. And I'm not saying I was the best player in the world, but I had a couple skills that I could trust that when I got in that moment, I knew I could execute. Yeah. And so I think everything in life is like that. And I think if you want greatness, you just practice on little things over and over and over again. So that when that opportunity comes, you can trust that you got what it takes. And if you don't, you don't. And that's fine. But it's a wake up call to the reality that the next time that opportunity comes along, that you will be ready. Uh, let me actually share one other thing. Cause I nearly lost, like I've written uh, I think it's 25 books. I was on, on the call with Apple 
and Final Draft and, and whatever, a couple of these software companies for hours the other day, just to make sure. Because my uh, I've written on my iPad for the last three or four years, every single day. And I have books that are thousands of pages long. Thousands. Hundreds of thousands of words. And my iPad crapped out with the new update. It just totally crapped out, started shutting off every like uh, two minutes. I couldn't back it up through my computer. I was like, I might lose all this stuff. I, there's certain things here that are not backed up. And so instead of getting scared, I was like, okay, well, let's work. Let's just try and work through this whole thing. And I ultimately came to the point where I was like, you know what? I might lose this stuff. I just had to accept that this might be a reality because basically it was at the point where no one could fix the thing. There was no way to, none of my content, even within two minutes, even, even if it's down longer, would even email to my email. I couldn't back it up. There was just no way. Um, like, and taking pictures of everything would have literally taken me years to do. If I tried to like snap pictures of every page, every bit of it would just, so it was a certain point where I had to accept, okay, I might lose everything. And I looked back at myself and I said, you know, there was a time where I was going to back up everything on a regular basis and I haven't been doing it. And I felt, I felt the impact of being lazy of not backing up my work and not being responsible about it and kind of just assuming everything would be okay. And I basically, I wrote in my journal, I said to myself, you know what, if I lose everything, it's, it's a real loss. It's uncomfortable and it sucks. But what this has taught me about life is that when I am thinking about being lazy, this is the thing that I have to face at the end of the day, because that's the price of laziness. And after I recognized that I was like, I'm not going to be lazy anymore. I'm not going to do it because it costs me too much. Silver lining of the story, wonderful thing. Fortunately, Apple's wonderful with their cloud, and it actually did back up my stuff, and I didn't lose anything. Thank God. <laughs> but I didn't find that out until after I had my point of acceptance, which right. is kind of this wonderful thing. Like, how did it work out that way? Yeah. You know what I mean? But I will and- say that, you know, um, you know, uh, sometimes when things don't work out in the moment and, you know, sometimes there's real consequences, we have to face the reality of how we've been. Yes. I mean, there's lessons to be learned there. I was going to say, you can even take it one further where it's like, you can say, it's like, well, I mean, this is almost like an, a whole new rabbit hole, but it's, it's like, <laughs> well, it. <laughs> like what's your attachment to, to holding on to these to begin with, you know, yeah. maybe if you lost them, maybe that's the perfect thing to happen. And I just wanted to throw this in one last thing is like trust is also about kind of saying like everything is the right thing yeah, to, to happen. Um, it might be uncomfortable. It might bring up something because you know, that's, it's, that's a reactionary response, but you know, we are, we are creatures who can, who can examine and look and we can, and we can, we can form new perceptions out of things and, and learn new things. And, you know, just because something doesn't go the way that maybe was the most comfortable thing that you want to have happen, you know, you go, it's like, Oh, well, I trusted this and I trusted this and this happened. And then it led to this, which I didn't really want to have happen. And it's just like, okay, but what if that was still the right thing to have happened? Yeah. Right. It's like, Oh, okay. Well then I guess if that was the right thing to have happened, then this, this, and this, you know, and it's like, Oh, okay. Right. Like, so it's something that 
the thing that's great about trust is that it is alive in every, it, it can be in as much as you are willing to sort of practice trust, mm. because I think trust is a practice, um, to get used to. Right. And to see that it's like, oh yeah, I can, it's, it's applicable always. It was, it was always applicable to whatever moment that you're in. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you know, it was, it was a bonus that, that I didn't lose the stuff, but I think that was the part of acceptance was that trusting that, trusting ultimately that that would be okay if I lost it. Cause I was genuinely, and I, I know it's, um, uh, it doesn't necessarily, um, cause I just, the content was saved, but I was genuinely at the point where I was like, okay, if I lose this, it will be okay. I don't yeah. have to be attached to it. Um, and I think that, you know, I was, I, I look at it and I go, you know, um, it's, it, you know, these experiences that we live through, it's an interaction with the world. You know, it's a, it's a, we got to trust that it is what it is. I don't know how otherwise to, to summarize it, but yeah, like, um, n- everything that happens in our life is not about it being perfect and roses. Yeah. Sometimes these painful things or these uncomfortable things, these things we don't like are there because there is no other way to learn without them being uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. That was another juicy one. Yes. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family, or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.